0: Bookie. Make sure to visit mybookie.ag today and use the promo code UGA to receive a deposit bonus of up to $1,000 for all new users. March Madness is here, guys, and you don't want to miss out on all the action. Make sure to sign up today. But I am your host, Tyler, and back with me once again today is my longtime co-host, Curtis. And with today being Selection Sunday for the NCAA basketball tournament, spoiler alert: you won't find the dogs in this year's field. If you're looking, you're not going to find them. But with everyone focused on their brackets in college basketball right now, today on the podcast, we're going to recap Georgia basketball's 2023 season. Even though, of course, obviously, we are not playing in the NCAA tournament. And look, guys, we know that football spring practice kicks off Tuesday, and that's where a lot of our minds are in the Georgia fan base. We're already focused on that, but that's exactly why we felt like we need to do this particular episode today, because if we don't get this in today, if we don't recap the basketball season today... It's just not going to happen because spring practice is about to dominate this podcast for the next month plus. So we're going to try to fit this in today. We'll have some spring practice talk for you guys tomorrow. We'll do our final spring practice primer, get you guys ready for that. And then through the rest of the month of March into April, heading into G-Day in mid-April, we will have you guys 100% covered for all things spring practice. So we're going to talk some basketball today. But before we dive into this Georgia basketball season recap, I just quickly want to put this out there at the top of the show so I don't forget about it and so you guys actually hear me because I know sometimes I put this at the end of the episode. People kind of go ahead and fade out and click out and don't listen to like the closing parts of it. I get that. So I want to go ahead and put it out there right now as we get started, but I'm very excited about this, guys. We are going to be running our very own Glory UGA March Madness Bracket Pool. I'm pumped about this. You guys know if you listen to the podcast that... I love college basketball. Obviously, college football is number one for me, but I love me some college basketball. I've been dialed in for a couple of months now. I know the vast majority of the American sports fan is just kind of right now over the past week with championship week, kind of starting to get dialed in to college basketball. I've been dialed in since the end of the college football season. And these next two weeks, I would also include championship week. I love championship week, what we just went through. But these next couple of weeks, especially next weekend, the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament, for me are right behind bowl season in terms of my favorite weeks of the year I know bowl season's lost a little bit of its luster but I still love bowl season because you get football every single day for like a month and I don't care that it's teams that you don't really care about to me I care about it because it's the last little bit of football that we get for a long time so I love bowl season and then I love the NCAA tournament I love this time of year so I'm very very excited but guys we are not coming to you guys empty-handed with our glory UGA March Madness Bracket Pool. Our very good friends at Alumni Hall, we call them very good friends for a very good reason. They have agreed to sponsor our Bracket Pool this season. First place, if you get first place in our league, you are going to get a $150 gift card to Alumni Hall. Second place, will get a $100 gift card. And third place, you also get a $50 gift card. So there are prizes out there for you guys. You can stock up on all the best Georgia gear that you're going to find anywhere on planet Earth. I know I say that a lot, but it's true, guys. There's no better place to find Georgia gear than Alumni Hall. They have things that you're going to find there, especially the vintage gear, which I love, that you just don't find anywhere else. So if you're looking to stock up for some Georgia football gear heading into the 2023 season, go ahead and join our league. You don't want to miss this out. Curtis, myself, even Charlie, we're all going to have our bracket in there. Even if you don't finish in the top three and you don't win one of the prizes, hey, you still have a shot to have bragging rights over all of us. So it's going to be fun, guys. You don't want to miss out. We're going to link this to our Twitter profile. So you can just click that link and join our lead directly. We're going to use ESPN because we've used that before. For our college football confidence picks pools so we figured that a lot of you are experienced with that and it would just be an easier seamless way to go about it to use ESPN it's not a statement or anything like that we're just gonna use ESPN because that's what we've used in the past and we figured you guys are used to that when you've joined some of our leagues so you can find it on our Twitter profile but if you don't do Twitter which I know a lot of you don't that's okay you can also just go to the ESPN Tournament Challenge homepage ESPN Tournament Challenge go to that homepage and search for the Glory UGA group we try to make it as easy as possible for you guys to join the group is open to the public you do not need invitation it's unlocked go ahead search it up find it join today tell your friends tell your family have your kids let's all join and let's just have some fun guys I i love this time of year i know a lot of you guys do too so let's just do this together and let's have a lot of fun But with that, let's go ahead and dive into the topic of the day. We are going to recap Georgia basketball's 2023 season. And in case you missed it, and guys, look, I don't blame you. If you'd already checked out on this Georgia basketball season, I totally get that. I don't blame you at all. I suffer through it because that's just how I'm wired. That's what I do. Uh, I, I am that... I am that masochist who, I guess, just enjoys suffering through Georgia basketball seasons because that seems like exactly what it's been over the past couple of seasons. But in case you missed it, Georgia's 2023 basketball season came to a very merciful end on Wednesday with a 72-67 loss to LSU who was the 14th seeded team in the tournament, mind you? And let's also not forget there are only 14 teams in the entire SEC. So yeah, we did that math correct, right? It was it was the lowest seeded team in the entire tournament. Yep, we lost to them in the first round of the SEC tournament in Nashville, capping off a season in which the Dogs went 16 and 16 overall and 6 and 12 in SEC play. So Curtis, man, I'm just gonna put it to you, and I'm gonna let you define this any way that you want to define it. Was the 2023 season a success or a failure for the Georgia basketball program? You know, I think it was a success.
1: Yes. You know, you you look at what Dennis Gates was able to do at Missouri and things like that, or, you know, other examples, um, to make it maybe more disappointing. Um, but and he I, also had
0: he walked into a situation where he had a lot more to work with than I would say Mike White did.
1: Exactly. And that's why I'm and I'm still going to say it's a success. You know, yes, we lost quite a few games. Um, but the fact is, it was still an improvement from what we were. Yes, we had some blowout losses to Alabama to A&M. There was some a couple, you know, loss at South Carolina was ugly. But overall outside some of those big um, those blowouts, I felt like we were a more competitive team. And I think that was the biggest difference this year is what we put out there. I mean, realistically, I was thinking about this today that up until Terry Roberts went out with the concussion, we were playing a lot better. And when he came back after the concussion, he was a completely different player, was not the player he was before. And that's actually when you started to see the, the spiral with the basketball team. Um that does seem
0: to be the dividing line this season. Honestly, it does, Curse. Like when when he went out with a concussion, you're exactly right. He comes back, he missed what I think two games comes back and comes back against Kentucky, plays against Kentucky. We win that game at home. But after that, like it was all downhill from there. I, mean, he, I, I he, totally agree. You know, what was the beat? difference though? So he, he misses a couple games, he comes back. Was do you think he would? I mean, at some point, like, he's recovered from the concussion. Like, how do you make sense of that dramatic decline in our production and play? post Terry Roberts concussion
1: to be honest it just seemed almost like a, you know the physicality got to him that his body just didn't hold up i mean or i, I really what don't is know was
0: it that hard teams adjusted to him and the fact that he was based our, our only legitimate score exactly and i
1: think that's a big difference because he went before he went out i think he was either leading the sec or in the top 3 or 5 in the points per game in the sec play And then when he came back, um, even when we beat Kentucky, I think he struggled to get 10 points and still had quite a few turnovers. He was just no longer the same score that he was. And that changed everything because he created a lot of shots, especially down low for our big guys um, in Moncrief and um, uh, Bridges. And the fact was, after that, our offense was just more stagnant. And that was the biggest difference.
0: So what game did he actually get hurt in? He got hurt in. It, it it's hard Ole to Miss. know. I just know he missed the, He missed. He uh, missed the Ole Miss game at home. I, th- I think it was the Mississippi State game. He got he got injured. I think. I believe it was. Yes. I think that was the game, but so just to kind of add some numbers to what you're saying, because you're exactly right. So Terry Roberts like started off SEC play as hot as anybody in the league, and I don't, I, I don't, I'm not exaggerating, guys. Like legitimately, as hot as anybody in the league against Auburn, you know, which is an, that's an NCAA tournament team. We beat Auburn. Uh, we beat them seventy six sixty four to open SEC play. He had twenty six points that game. I uh, had twenty five points in a losing effort on the road in Gainesville against the Gators, Mississippi State. Uh, had 16 points prior to the injury, uh, came back. Uh, he did play against Ole Miss. Um, he had 14 points that game, 21 against Kentucky. And uh, no, so, okay, no, he did not get hurt against, he got hurt. I think it was the, was it the, it was the Auburn game on the road in, in, in Auburn. That's where he got hurt, Curtis. That was where he got hurt because it was going into the second Kentucky game. So, yeah, he said 26 points to open the open SEC play, then 25, 16, 14, 21, 15, 11, 10. Then Auburn gets hurt. on and plays 20 minutes, as Auburn had seven points. And after that, Curtis, listen to these numbers. After that Auburn game, comes back against Kentucky, nine points. Won that game, only had nine points, six points, 11 points, four points, five points, nine points, 14, 12. You're exactly right. He was a very, very different player. Wasn't remotely as productive as he was prior to the, the concussion. So you think it was more of like he just adjusting to the, the physicality post concussion or or was it more like teams just understanding? That he well, I think the, team started
1: the game plan for him more, especially when they saw that, you know, you know, we were not as good without him and how it affected our team. And teams just really I mean, they it's as simple as they made adjustments and yep. we didn't have the players to really make a difference. You know, we had who we had and that was it.
0: Yeah, I agree. And we're gonna to get to the roster here momentarily. I know you can certainly kind of allude to it here, but we'll we'll do a deep dive in the roster here in a few minutes of what we need to do to improve to get this team to some way, somehow into the insulate tournament as soon as humanly possible. But to answer my own question, was this a success or a failure as a season, Chris? I, I tend to agree with you. I, I would call this season. A success. I know there's there's going to be a lot of you out there shaking your head, saying, "How in the world can you guys possibly call this a successful season when we're not even going to make the NIT? Hell, we probably won't even make the CBI, Curtis." So, I get why people will look at it and say, "No, it's a failure." Like if if your expectations for every season, the way you judge success or failure, is NCAA tournament play, then by that definition, yes, it's a failure of a season. But I had I don't know about you, Curtis. I don't want to, I don't want to put words in your mouth. NCAA tournament wasn't even a like the remotest of thoughts in my mind during this season. Was it for you? No, I never thought we
1: would make the NCAA tournament. I mean, if it happened, you're ecstatic. But there was a lot of problems that needed to be addressed and foundationally that we need to look at before we were in a position to even con- honestly can think like we need to be in the tournament.
0: A hundred percent, Kurt. So I, I did. I don't think you were on that episode, but I did a back. What well, I mean, right after the national championship game, so mid January, I did a like mid season basketball georgia basketball update like report that's basically what i ran and i said on that episode like my expectations my hope my goal for this season for georgia basketball was to build a foundation upon which we could build for the future i had no i had no illusions curse that this was going to be an insulated tournament team now there were times when we beat auburn the open sec play and you beat notre dame before we realized notre dame was terrible where i'm like oh god was i wrong like maybe can we find a way to sneak into the tournament like they gotta put 68 teams in this tournament some way somehow can we be one of those teams but pretty quick i mean i i realized all along through the rosters like we don't have an instantly tournament roster like we just don't so my expectations I, I try to be as realistic as possible and i my realistic expectations were again just to to improve to build a foundation upon which we could try to actually make this program more attractive to prospective recruits and transfer options moving into the future like that's that's what I was hoping for, guys. Like, you have to understand that coming off of a six and twenty six season for a program with absolutely zero basketball history, we were left to scrape the bottom of the barrel from the transfer portal. Like, that's what I mean. Honestly, it's a borderline miracle. I want to give Mike White and staff credit for for digging through and finding a guy like Terry Roberts. Honestly, when you consider what he what. We were The season we were coming off of and kind of where we were positioned in, in the larger college basketball landscape in terms of, like, the, the pecking order of who was going to get which transfer option, I, I mean, we were at the bottom of the barrel, guys, and we were able to find at least a guy or two that could do something to help us, so I I, I think that we built that foundation that I, that I was expecting, so for me, I'm going to define it as, as a success because we met my expectation. And my expectations might be different than someone else's out there. That's fine. I get that. But my expectations were to improve, to build a foundation for the future that we could kind of use as a launching point. And I think that we did that. And, of course, I'm, I'm just going to go back to what we were last year six and 26 overall, one and 17 in SEC play. To this year, 16 and 16 overall. In six and twelve in the SEC, so that means Curtis. You know I'm bad at math, man. Math's not my thing, but even my basic math can tell you that's nearly three times as many wins as last year, and six times as many conference wins as last year. So to me, Curtis, like, is that not success? Like, do we really expect to go from six and twenty six to the NCAA tournament overnight with the with a program that has no basketball history? Like, is that really something that we should expect? Um, I mean, to some people, yes, you know, I mean, you've, you've seen
1: the fringe fan bases, like saying that we should just shut down the program. Um, but the thing is, those things that you always say before it gets better, it's going to get worse. I mean, you think back to Kirby's first year, you know, we had a bad loss against Vandy, you know, um, Nick Saban had the bad loss to Louisiana. Louisiana. Like those happen before you, I mean, I'm not saying Mike White's going to lead us to the promised land like Kirby has in uh, football, but the fact is it's going to take you know, these big changes don't happen overnight, even with the transfer portal.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree. Now, I, I know the devil's advocate would say, Curse, well, like, okay, we went 16 and 16, 6 and 12, but we're just right back to where we were in 2019, 2020 under Tom Green before he before bottomed out. Because then that year we were, I think we were like what, 15 and 16 that year, maybe um, something like that. I, I think, actually, I think we were exactly 16 and 16 that year. So, yeah, I, I see the devil's advocate could say that. My response to that would be this: You have to factor in the state of the program when White took over versus when Tom Crean took over. Let's let's go. Let, let's not be revisionist with this. I know that Mark, it was time to mark, move on from Mark Fox. I was very much in favor of that. We gave him nine years, and with Fox, our program had a very low floor or I'm sorry, very high floor, but we had a lower ceiling. But Crean took over a program that had just posted five consecutive winning seasons and had gone 500 or better in SEC play in five of the previous six seasons prior to Crean taking over. It wasn't good enough. There weren't enough NCAA tournament bids. I'm not saying there were. There absolutely were, wasn't, were not enough bids to the NCAA tournament. But the program was at least on solid ground when Crean took over. We were just hoping that he could take it to the next level. Instead of doing that, Crean bottomed the program out. And that is the program that Mike White took over. So it was a very, very different circumstance when you look at what Mike White inherited this season, and what he had to work with compared to what Tom Crean had to work with in the program that he inherited. So I don't look at it as apples to apples there. Uh, I will say this, Kurt, Like I, Again, I think this was a successful season based on what my expectations were for this team. But I am disappointed in the way that we finished the season. I mean, we lost our last six games, man, last six games, most of them. I mean, I guess we almost won, almost beat South Carolina on the road, but lost the last six, lost 12 of our last 15. And here's my concern. All right. Moving forward. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. I don't think that we got better as the season went on. In fact, very clearly we got worse I I think you can make a very strong argument that we were the worst team in the SEC by the end of the season. And Kurt, we lost on the road at South Carolina, who would be a contender for worst team in the league. We lost it. And we, we beat LSU at home, but we had to come back and beat them by three, I think at home late in the season. And then we lose to, to LSU, who was the 14th seed. In case you guys don't realize there's only 14 teams in the SEC. So they were the last seed in the SLA tournament. And we lost them on a neutral court. So I think you make a very strong argument that by the end of the season, the way we were playing, we were the worst team in the SEC. So, how do you kind of reconcile that with the notion that you think that you and I both think that we had a successful season? Um, the biggest things for me that I look at
1: is, yes, we, you know, it, we really limped to the finish line, but I think, you know, I, that was really a reflection of what we had um, outside of Cairo. You had
0: those same guys early in the year, Curtis. Well, and I think that, you know, we talked, we kind
1: of addressed it with the whole, the, the step back of Terry Roberts, you know, what we were putting out there on the court really changed what happened because we, when you think of some of those wins we had earlier in the year that were, you know, pretty good wins at the time, they didn't end up holding, but the biggest thing was that we were able to get the ball down low. Um, You think back to Notre Dame, I think it was Moncrief and Braylon Bridges, both had really strong games and we just became – it's hard to say one-dimensional in basketball, but what really happened is that teams started taking away the down-low force, and we just did not have the shooters. Um Aquindo is a really good player, and I think he continues to get better, but he's um, street-
0: Is he a really good player, though?
1: I think he is. I think he- I think, he, to I think me, he's a really good athlete. I don't know if he's think, a really good player me, I point. think he's a be- or not really good player, but I think he's a step up from mm-hmm. what we had with uh, Kenny Gaines. Is a player I you, could see a comp wise.
0: Ooh, I I don't know, man. I, I think I would take Kenny. I think Kenny was a more polished player. Well, I mean, but we, we is certainly. We think of Kenny a Moore, the overall athlete. We think of
1: Kenny Moore, junior, senior Kenny. Yeah,
0: that's true. That's true. And the
1: fact of oh Cairo is was stuck under Crean. You're not. You, no yeah, one fair, developed under him. Fair, fair. Um, yeah, fair. I, and you also got to think it hurt that you know you especially towards the end of the season you started seeing the The lack of depth really started to become apparent. Um, you know, we had a guy transfer out, a true freshman early in lack the year. Of,
0: I would say lack of quality depth, right? Like we had, we played about ten guys all year long. They just weren't great. They weren't good.
1: Yeah, I mean that that's honestly a very fair way to put it. Um, it. We just we did not have a deep team. It's as simple as that. And the more the year went on, and certain players weren't playing at the top of their game. I mean, and you also just look at the transfers we had, Holt. You know, the guy's in there to play defense, but yet he struggles defensively.
0: Yeah, you know, that, just, oh, my. Yeah, you're exactly right, Curtis. You and I are the same mind. There's like, hey, you're in there to be a defensive stopper, yet you aren't defending anyone. Like, And, well, and that's what, the thing. Are we we, just, why are you out there? Why are you exactly, out there? You know, we put guys out there because
1: maybe they're the best on the team that we have, but they still weren't good enough. And, you know, it's really going to take overhauling the roster to do it. And. And I don't think there was any way, unless you hired some big name coach who could go out there and get every single transfer this year. Yeah, I, it, I mean, yes, it didn't feel like we got better, and I agree with that. But I also think that was just—you got to look at the players that
0: we had. Um, I mean, I'm looking at the—I'm looking at the the schedule. It's just—it's like disheartening. You look—you're right. The players. We're, we're going to get to—we're going to break down the roster in just a second. But I'm just see L-L-L-L-W-L-L-L-W-W-L-L-L-L-L. It's like, oh my god, it's just. And I lived through every one of those games. They all sucked. Every single even the win, like the Kentucky win was fantastic. That was an awesome win at home. Loved every second of that. I got my dad tickets, good tickets to that game for um for his Christmas gift. So we really enjoyed that one. The LSU game, we won the following game, but like God, man, like we hmm. Oh yeah, we no, it was two, it was a two-point victory, 65-63. And that was god, that was a tough one to watch. We won, it was great, exhilarating at the end, but mm, after that. Lose by 50 to Alabama, lose by 30 to Arkansas, lose by 22 to Missouri. Just bad, bad stuff, man. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw something at you. So I've been trying to make sense of this, Curtis. Like, okay, how do I make sense of what happened down the stretch? Losing, what, 12 of our last 15, our last six games, all these blowouts. When prior to that, like, we were, again, I don't think we were an NCAA tournament team, but like, we, hey, we beat some NCAA tournament teams, which is something we didn't do last year. It's another reason why I think this was a successful season. We actually beat good teams. Not, not a lot of them, but we beat some good teams. We beat Kentucky. We beat Auburn. Like we, we beat a couple good teams, and we didn't do that at all last year. So, you know, how do you go from that to, like, bottoming out the way that we did? And one of the things I think, Chris, just watching this team, do you feel like – and I don't mean to include every player on this team in, in, in this assertion. Do you get the feeling, though, that at least some of the players kind of quit on the season down the stretch when they realized that, okay – we're not going to be the insulated tournament because I like you and I, knowing that this team is not an insulated tournament team, is one thing. The players they don't look at it that way, they look at us, oh, we're going to go to the tournament. And like again, early in the year, like we were kind of on track from a record standpoint to be able to do that. And then I think once the loss is done to mount up and the players start to realize, oh, wait, yeah, it's not going to happen for us, I feel like some of them, and maybe it's not a full on quit. I just don't think they were as invested, and I don't think they played as hard down the stretch. Is that a fair criticism, or am I completely outpaced there? Um, You know, you hope it's not the case, but it is a fair criticism. I mean, you, could, you know, we're talking about Terry Roberts. That could easily
1: have been what happened. You know, the guy's transferring at the end of his career, wanting to make a tournament, and it seemed like we were on, the you know, like you said, on track to do it, and things just snowballed out. Um, And you really hope that's not the case, but, I mean, it, at the same time, I don't think it's outlandish.
0: Because, Curtis, and here's, I got some evidence for this. I'm trying to make sense of this. So, in the first, over the course of the first 20 games of the season, Curtis, we only allowed our opponents, one single opponent, to shoot over 50% from the field. And that was weight force game two. And they barely shot over 50%, it was like 50.9% from the field. And that's one time with the course of our first 20 games. So that's basically from November through January. And over the course of our last 12 games, Curtis, so basically February through early March here, which is 12 games, we allowed six of our opponents to shoot over 50%. How in the hell does that happen if it's not an effort thing? How does that happen? And and that's
1: where I can see it because I think defense is all effort. It really is.
0: It's it's more effort than anything else. I mean, I do not say it's only effort, but it's more effort than anything else and effort and communication. And I just – I, I'm sitting here, I'm staring at these numbers, I've been thinking about these numbers, like how does this happen one time over the first 20 games, and I know you play some non-conference teams that aren't as good, I, I understand that, but we also, that's about half of our SEC schedule, and then the last, well, not maybe not half of our SEC schedule, but the first quarter of our SEC schedule, you still got other Power 5 teams, Notre Dame, Georgia Tech, Uh, played Wake Forest on the road, played St. Joseph's, played UAB, who just played in in their conference championship game lost, but played in it, and where it was an insulated tournament team last year, we allowed one opponent to shoot over 50%. Last 12 games, six of the last 12. 50% of our final 12 games, opponent shot over 50%, and that's like it's on some level. Again, I'm not saying the team quit, but the effort certainly was not there the back half of the season the way that it was earlier in the year. And I know the schedule got more difficult. I know you're playing Alabama. I get that. But guys, Arkansas, Arkansas can't shoot. I don't know how many, how, many, how much college basketball you guys actually watch outside of Georgia? Arkansas cannot shoot the basketball. Okay. They are they were one of the worst teams in the in not just the SEC, but in the country in shooting the three ball. They shot 55% from three against us. 50%. Five percent I know Missouri shoots well. They shot 14 of 28 from three against us. 14 of 28. Florida without Colin Castleton shot 50, basically 54% from the field against us in Athens. How does that happen? That should never happen. So I don't know. I just can't help but think there is maybe, I don't know. I, I just don't think that the intensity was there. The back half of the season, once it was clear that we were not making the tournament the way that it was early in the year, maybe I'm completely off base there, but I just don't know. Other than that, how do you make sense of of those splits? I just, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know.
2: You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-ads.com. All
0: right, so let's move on here, Curtis. Again, I personally, and you I think you're with me here, think this program took a step forward this season, but I think we both also recognize, Curtis, there is still a long way to go before we truly turn the corner and and become a program that we all want us to be, which is a program that consistently is in the mix for NCAA NCAA tournament berths. I've been dreaming of that, Curtis. Obviously, Georgia football is number one in all of our hearts, but how much fun would it be this time of year, Curtis, if we were actually in the NCAA tournament, like if we were actually in the mix? I mean, just Um, to be in a bubble, man, like that would be incredibly fun. I want that desperately. But, Curtis, what does this team need? And you were kind of starting to touch on this earlier, but what does this team need? Let's really dive in in order to become an NCAA tournament contender. I don't know, even as early as next season, like what are, what is missing from this team right now?
1: I think there's two things. Um, First, I think, well, we saw how good the offense was when Terry Roberts was at the best top of his game. So you need a really good floor general has to be it. And then I think we need better shooters. It's as simple as that you've got to have a three point threat Um, and that's the, I mean, when you look at all these teams. Look at Missouri. Some of these other teams. What? How are they do winning? Um, And a lot of it has to do with they. you know Yes, they live and die by the three point. But the fact is, we need better. That's, that's
0: basketball now, Curtis. That's exactly that's we gotta have. I mean,
1: Raheem is more a um, of a catch and shoot. We don't have any shot. He create. can't
0: create, but he's yeah, a great no catch and shoot theory. three point. I think
1: that's what we need more than anything is some, a shot creator that yep. can actually drain threes.
0: Curtis, we had. I would say one and a half guys on our team this year that can truly create their own shot. And I think Terry Roberts clearly, especially the early, the first half of the season version of Terry Roberts, pre-concussion version of Terry Roberts. And I really want to give Justin Hill credit. I think Justin Hill really came on late in the season. I think he was like the one bright spot late in the year. I think Justin Hill did some – he wasn't always great, sometimes out of control, but I thought he looked a lot better. I thought he actually improved as the season progressed, and I thought he was able to start creating his own shot more consistently. So I will give him like half the season, so that's why I say one and a half. And I know, Curtis, I'm, I'm going to – let's let's dig back into Keri Oquindo. Uh, you were mentioning how, how you think he's a good player. I don't think Keri Quindo was able to consistently create his own shot. In fact, I don't here, – here's here's a hot take for you, all right? And maybe it's not a hot take. I don't know. I don't mean to be a hot take. It's just my opinion on Kerry Oquindo. I don't think Kerry Oquindo has any game. I think he's a great athlete. I don't think he has any game whatsoever. I do not think he knows how to create his own shot. I don't think Kerry Oquindo knows how to score. Refute that. Am I wrong? No, I don't think you're. I don't
1: think you're wrong. I actually think that he is best is when he drives it to the hoop to try to create shots.
0: That's the only the only way that he can really and maybe that maybe it's a form of shot creation but when he puts his head down because he's a thick dude he's a powerful strong thick dude when he put his head down and got to the rim and finished at the rim that's when carry was at his best but how many times when he tried to do that curtis does he drive wildly out of control and turn the ball over does he charge the defender and just do all around dumb things i don't think he knows what to do with the basketball on a consistent basis i don't think he knows how to score i don't think he does and and He's still a relatively young guy. I wish he would come back another season because I think he can – I'm not saying he can't become a guy that can figure out how to create his own shot more consistently. I think that he can because he's got all the tools it takes, and that's why I get frustrated with him. He's got all the physical tools. You mentioned Kenny Gaines. I think Kenny was a really toolsy guy. I think Cario has more physical gifts and tools than Kenny Gaines did. But I also don't – he's not nearly the shooter that Kenny Gaines was. And Kurt, he shot 26% from three this year. And a slight improvement from last year, but still 26% from three this year. And I just don't there's too too many times this this season, Curtis, when we needed a bucket and we and we were trying to get back into a game or extend a lead that the dude just disappeared. So that's my take on him. I don't I honestly don't think that Kerry Oquindo was a good player for us this year. I think he was a really talented player, like physically gifted player. I don't think he was actually good. But I'm, I know that sounds crazy because he actually he was second on the team in scoring, right? 12, 12.7 points per game. But let's look at his field goal percentage. I'm just curious. I'm going to pull this up here. Field goal percentage. So he shot 39% from the field. I don't know. That's To me, that's just not – I don't know. I don't know if he's a good player. I don't know. I think he can become a good player. I just don't think he has been a good player. I think sometimes – and I've, I I myself am guilty of this too, Curtis. I've, I watched him play. And I'm like, dude, like, yeah, he's good because he's got talent. He's got physical talent but that doesn't always translate to him being that score that we need. And I think that was a problem for us. You mentioned Terry Roberts was a consistent score for us prior to the injury. And I just don't know if we had that guy outside of him. So I agree with you, Chris. I think that we need more shooters. Uh, I think we need just more guys that can score. Can we just say that we need better guard play? Is that fair?
1: Yeah, I think guard play really is the big difference. I mean, I thought Bridges was actually a decent bright spot for us. He just had no help nothing that could help open things up for him down low.
0: Yeah. Bridges is an interesting guy. I have a lot of respect for him. I think, I think he really tried to lead down the stretch. Um, I don't know if it got through to all of his teammates, but he really tried to. And I think he's a really good little post score, right? Like he can, he can, he can shoot over either shoulder. Um, He can, he's, he's got a good post game, but he's limited from an athleticism standpoint. You know what I mean? Like he, it's Not a guy that, that jumps very well. Like he's not an over overly great athlete. And that hurt us from a rebounding standpoint and a defensive standpoint. And the problem is the other guy that we have, his backup, Frank Anselm, is a guy that can be a rim protector, is a good athlete, has got length, can play, can defend a little bit, but he is such a liability on the offensive end so it's like on one hand you got a guy that's a good scorer in the post but it's a defensive liability on the other end you have a guy that's a good defender a rim protector but he's a massive offensive liability and I think that's the story of our season, Chris. I think we had a bunch of guys that were kind of specialists, and we didn't have really many guys, if anybody, that could really like do it all. You know what I mean? That was a good defender, a good rebounder, uh, can create his own shot, can knock down can, can knock down the three-point consistently. We had guys like like Abdul Rahim that could be a knockdown, spotted three-point shooter. We had guys like Terry Roberts who could create their own shots. It wasn't really a great shooter, but was a good, good, a good creator for himself and for others. We have great athletes like Kerry O'Quindo. Um, you have defensive specialists like uh, M.A. Moncrief, I guess, if you're want to say that maybe frank anselm and juice holt was supposed to be a defensive specialist but those guys can't score to save their freaking lives so i think that was a big issue does, does that make sense Curtis? the fact that we just had so many different pieces and this guy can do that this guy can do this but no none of them could actually like put it all together and do everything they need to do does that make sense yeah we didn't have a
1: complete player on this roster exactly,
0: exactly. yeah what about um defensively curtis so Talking going back to last year compared to this year, do you think we were good enough on defense or is there still room to improve there?
1: Oh, there's without a doubt a lot of room to improve. But the fact is, I mean, I think we were also just so bad defensively under Tom Crean that almost anything is an improvement. But the fact is, we're definitely not where we need to be um, to be a tournament team.
0: Yeah, and I got some numbers here to back that up. So, God, it's hard to believe we were this bad, but we were. If you watched it last season, Tom Crean's final year, you know we were this bad. In defensive efficiency, Curtis, we were 348 nationally in Tom Crean's final year. This year, we still weren't good, but we moved all the way up to 199, right? So, hey, great, 199. We were in the top 200, which you look at that, and you're like, God, that's still freaking terrible. And, yeah, it's not good. But when you consider where we were last year and the fact that we turned over basically the entire roster more or less – it does represent an improvement, right? But we still got, we've got to get so much better on defense. We got to be more consistent there. And rebounding is another thing, Curse. So if you look at our final rebounding numbers over the year, we actually technically out rebounded our opponents on the year barely, but we did by like half a rebound a game. But if you look at the, again, how we closed out the season, which was just abysmal on every front, we won the rebounding battle in one. Of our final thirteen games, Curtis. One of our final thirteen games. Yes, again, I know the competition level increase. I understand that, but how do you make sense of that, Curtis? Because to me, I look at that and I say, just like our, our defense in order down the stretch. To me, that is a hundred percent an effort thing.
2: Not only
1: that, but also just think lack of talent. I mean, you look at the fact sure. of you know you talk about Bridges, how he's limited defensively, and I think a sure. lot. Yes, a lot of it is effort, like especially rebounding when it comes to blocking out and making moves but also just the fact that we just didn't have the talent. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's rough to say, but we just did not have the talent to compete with everyone. I mean, guys are faster, bigger, stronger, everything when it comes to these other teams.
0: I, I totally agree with that, Curtis. So I, th- I think, <laughs> can we just like, I guess we can summarize the entire conversation, just say, hey, what do we need to do to get to, into the insulate term next year? Uh, I don't know, get better players, right? Like Just turn the roster over again. Like That's, I mean, that's more or less what we need to do.
1: It really is. Unfortunately,
0: like, I hate to say it, man. And and I know like when Mike White and company got in here, I mean, by the time he actually got to Athens and got settled in, you know, it's probably like, you know, late March, early April. It's 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 really tough at that point, especially coming off the season that we'd come off of six and twenty six, one and seventeen in the SEC, to actually be able to go out and get legitimate SEC caliber players in the, from the transfer portal. But that's what we were trying to do, and we like again Terry Roberts. I think we kind of hit on Terry Roberts. I think that Justin Hill is going to be a good player for us if he sticks around next year. I mean, if Ro- Roberts, I believe, can come back for his COVID year if he chooses to to be a super senior. I don't know that he will. I guess that remains to be seen. Um, but if he doesn't come back and Justin Hill does come back. Like Justin Hill is probably gonna be our point guard next year, right, Kurt? I would think so. I mean,
1: especially as the season went on, it started to really work itself out that way.
0: Do you feel comfortable with him next year if he is indeed our our starting point guard?
1: Um, I think creation wise, yes. I still think he needs to grow as a scorer, but I, he has. Sh- I think he can do it.
0: Let's see, what did he shoot from three this year? I know it wasn't good. Um, 29%, almost 30. We, we can round up 29.7%. So we, can we round up to 30%? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it was It was. Hey, honestly three-point shooting in general. We go back to our guard play. Curtis, I mean, Abdur Rahim shot 38%, almost 40%, or almost 39%, 38.7%. Marjorie McBride ended up shooting 38%. He was really, like, he was in the 20s for most of the year and got hot a couple games late in the year. Um, Jam Ingram didn't play much. He shot 35%. And then after that, Terry Roberts, twenty almost 30%, 29.9%. Justin Hill, 29.7%. Kerry 267 Juice Hole, I mean, I'm shocked that Juice Hole even shot 25%, to be honest with you. I'm shocked that he was able to hit that. Um, and then Anselm... Obviously, didn't shoot a three. Moncrief didn't shoot a three. Bridget didn't shoot a three. Jackson Eder stopped. I mean, he didn't play basically all the conference play. But shot twelve percent from three. So that's not good enough in modern basketball. We have to have more guys that can shoot the basketball. And I think that's one area where Justin Hill does need to improve. Um, I do think he's a good ball handler for the most part. I th- he started to play more in control. The more playing time he got. I think when he when Roberts first went down, Robert, uh, I th- I, th- I felt like Hill was kind of out of control when he was kind of given those that the uh, pl- the point guard duties. I think he really started to improve in that regard as he got more playing time so that does give me some hope moving to next year but i do think i mean we'll see what happens in the transfer portal but as of right now if he comes back it's probably going to be our lead point guard i would guess but yeah we just need to improve the backcourt overall and just the roster in general which hey that's not too difficult right i mean no problems with that no that's going to be quite the task no doubt
2: you're a podcast listener and this is a podcast ad reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com.
0: All right, Curtis, for this next segment, we talked about some of these players, but for this next segment, I'm going to give you a name. I'm a, I have a list of guys here. I'm going to give you a name and I want you to tell me whether or not you want this guy for, back for next season. And if you do want him back, what role do you want him back in does that make sense yeah okay let's start at the top here um i think you and i have a little bit of disagreement with him so we'll just start there cario aquindo do you want him back next year and if so what role do you see him playing next year
1: um you know i do want him back because i think he can do what we need you know i think that he's a solid piece um and i think if he continues to grow he could develop into <clears throat> more of a score hopefully and I think his athleticism—he can take. A, we've seen where he can take over a game at any time. Um, so just seeing some more consistency out of him, I think that at least he's better than some of the other players we have. Relative.
0: I agree with you. I know I've kind of ripped him a little bit in this show. Uh, actually, more than a little bit, but. I do have hopes for him because he has the tools, and I would love for Cario to come back and continue to take the coaching and continue to improve his game. Because if he does that, if he really attacks it, I think Cario can be a really, 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 really good player. I just don't think he's been a really, really good player to this point in his career. So I definitely want him back. I don't know. Like, are you hopeful, Curse? Do you think he's because, like, against LSU in the in the final game there in the SEC tournament, he basically did not even play the entire second half.
1: I mean, you hope he is, but the fact
0: is, I mean, some of these guys have unrealistic. Exactly. You don't, you don't know how they view themselves. Yeah. And I don't know if he thinks he's better than he really is right now. I don't know. I don't I'm know. But there was certainly, and it wasn't just the LSU game. There were quite a few games in the back half of the season where he, where White would bench him and you, he was clearly sending a message. Like and part of it was defensive stuff. Like he wasn't putting the effort in defensively. Um, it was kind of just disappearing offensively. So he's trying to send a message, get his attention. And I don't, sometimes guys take that the right way. Um, But sometimes they get offended by that and say, screw you. And deuces, I'm out. So that might be the case there. I don't know. Cause he, you know, he almost transferred after last year with, with uh, the coaching change. So we'll see. I would love to have him back. I just, I don't know. I would love for Cario to be our lead, our, our lead guard. You know what I mean? I would love for him to, to develop into that guy that I was hoping he could be this year, but I just don't think he was quite that guy for us. Um, Terry Roberts. I, again, I think Terry Roberts, like, as far as I can tell, he does have a COVID year. I'm not, I don't know. I'm not super, uh, hopeful that he will use that. I don't think that he will. I could be wrong there. But if he does indeed want to come back, Curtis, do you want Terry Roberts back?
1: I would take him back. Yes, I know that some teams may have figured him out, but I think if we had, if he had a better supporting cast around him, that he could be a better player.
0: Yeah, if he has some guys to actually dish a ball out to and they could hit threes outside of Jab- Jabri Abdur-Rahim, I think that makes him even more dangerous and opens up things for him. Of course, I think I think Terry Roberts had a lot of pressure on it. I think that maybe that's part of the, the situation too. Yes, the defense is adjusted to him and understood that he was our only legitimate scorer for uh, for the most part, but he I mean, he was though, cursey Like he was our at times our only legit scoring option. I think he felt that and put a lot of pressure on himself and took some bad shots because he felt like he had to score. and He had to make things happen. So you're right. I think if if we can put some more scoring options around him, I think that makes Terry Roberts more effective. I would 100% love to have Terry Roberts back, and I hope to God he does use that COVID year and choose to come back. I just, I don't know. I don't know if he will or not. I haven't really heard much on that. If I do, I'll certainly let you guys know. But right now, I haven't heard anything hard on that. Um, we mentioned Justin Hill already, so we'll skip that one. Jabri Abdurrahim. would you want Jabri back? I would.
1: I mean, anytime a guy like that can make shots, I don't know. Even if he's coming off the bench, I mean, he could give you a spark.
0: Yeah, you're right. Because even though he doesn't really create his own shot, I mean, he's a shot maker. And for a team that had basically no shot makers outside of him, how can you say you don't want this guy back? Like, You need guys that can make shots. You need spot up guys. And he was the one legit spot up guy that we had. And I would 100%. He was the only guy that could get really hot from three and just like knock down four or five in a, in a, in a given game. We didn't really have anyone outside of him that could really do that and be that threat. So I would definitely take him back. And you know what? I'm going to give Abderrahim a lot of credit here, Tukers. I thought last year he was, you know, Crean's final year. He was a liability on defense. I don't think the effort was always consistently there. This year, he was a different player. I thought he really bought in defensively. Now, he wasn't a great defender, but he the effort was there he's not one of the guys I'm talking about when I say that, I think some of the guys might have like lost some of their intensity I think this guy was playing hard all year long uh, I thought he was hitting the boards more consistently with more effort so I was really proud of him and really excited to see him do that so I would I would 100% love to see Abdur Rahim come back next year Um all right now some of these other guys Curtis I don't know Um next up Juice Holt no I, I I'm sorry man like all right, tell me why. First off, before I before I get in there, tell me why you don't want you to hold back.
1: I mean, to me he brought nothing to the team. You know, like we talked about earlier. It's a good way to put it. He's supposed to be, you know, at per se a defensive guy, but he was a liability at that. So if that's what you're if that's what you're there to do and you're not very good at it, what's the point of having you?
0: Yeah, you know, I feel like every year, I mean, I guess every basketball team has one of these guys, but we seem to have more than our fair share of them. You know, the kind of guys curse where they where they're sitting there sitting out there at the three-point line. They get the ball; they're wide open. You can just see it in their eyes that they're about to shoot the ball, and you're sitting there saying, "No, no, 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 no!" And they shoot it anyway. You know what I'm talking about? And then it's not even close. Oh, well, yeah. That's ju- that, that's juice hole, right? And you're right; he's supposed to be in there. He's got he's got the length, he's got the athleticism, right? Like he should be a really good wing defender. Ideally, you know, you know, he c- could guard multiple positions out there. But and I'm not gonna say he was a complete disaster, or he wasn't a liability necessarily defensively, but he wasn't a great defender. You know what I mean? Like, for a guy like that's supposed to be what gets you on the court, you weren't good enough as a as a defensive player to compensate for your lack of ability offensively. Because he was, like, not only did he not really contribute offensively, like, he was a detriment to us offensively. I mean, Kurt, there were some lineups out there. We have Juice Hole, M.A. Moncrief, and Frank Anselm out there at the same time. We have no chance to score we have zero chance to score that lineup out there. And we play that lineup more than I would like to have seen. Like you said earlier, Curtis, because I mean, really out of necessity, more than anything else, guys in foul trouble, guys get tired. And it's like, man, don't want to see that lineup out there, but yeah, I'm with you. Like, I just don't know what he really brings to the table. Like if, if if you want to have him as like your 11th man, okay, I guess somebody gets in foul trouble, but I just, I don't know, man. Like I, I I hate, I hate to rip on our guys. I mean, they go out there and they put on the line, they work hard, they, they sacrifice a lot, but man, I don't know. I just don't know what he really brought to the team. I think, I mean, I, I would rather clear that roster spot and see if we can go find somebody can be more of a contributor, to be honest with you. That's that's kind of where I am with that. Uh, last one here, Curtis, M.A. Moncrief.
1: No, I actually think, to me, he was actually an extremely frustrating player.
0: Yeah, you know, early in the year, I felt like he was a guy, he was never a good shooter, did not take one single threes entire, into the entire season, but... He was a guy that was rebounding pretty well. Um, was, was on the, he's not tall enough or long enough to be a rim protector, but he's a guy that could guard multiple positions for you. And he was attacking the rim with some success early in the year. But as the season progressed, like he was, I he he gave us, he was he was an offensive liability, right? And he was out there. He, he simply could not score, could not score, couldn't shoot free throws. And um, kind of like with Holt, like, do you feel like Moncrief was a better defender than Holt or was kind of on the same... I think they're on level. the same level. I mean, and not only that, he couldn't even rebound either.
1: So if I, it was like he wasn't doing anything.
0: Yeah, I think he lost some confidence as the year went on. And so he's one of the guys that I think, I don't think the intensity was there as consistently late in the year. And I think part of that is because a loss of confidence. Because like, he lost a lot of playing time. I mean, he was still starting for most of the year, but he lost a lot of playing time as the season progressed. I mean, he was playing, you know, 30-plus minutes, first part of the year. And um, that wasn't the case as the season progressed. So I think maybe that kind of got to him a little bit. Again, he's kind of like Holt for me. Like if, if you want to have him at the back of your bench, like you know tenth or eleventh uh, in your rotation, okay, I'm fine with that. But he can't he can't be a star in the SEC. You know what I mean? Like him and Holt cannot be stars in the SEC. They just yeah, cannot be. I agree you, with that. Can they be role players? Maybe, That's a maybe. But I don't want them to play significant roles. At least based off what I saw last year. I just I got to be honest with you guys. All right, Curtis. Last question here, man. I'll get you out of here on this one. You and I were both excited about the Mike White hire last year when it was announced, I guess, like, just about this time last year, right? Just, I mean, yeah, I think just about this time. So, Curtis, are you still a believer in Mike White as a long-term answer for the Georgia basketball program? I am.
1: I still think that, you know, we knew this was was not going to be an overnight fix, but I believe in him to at least get this team. I don't think he's getting one of these guys that, you know, is the best coach in the league. And I don't, uh, to be honest, I don't think he'll get us like say what, how Nate Oates has gotten Alabama, but I think just getting us to, I think he's Mark Fox, but better in the fact of, I think he can get us more consistently in the t- in the top. Um, and I think right there, if anything is a good place to start. And I believe, and I mean, you're seeing Florida, those fans, I I was reading some. Uh,
0: Florida was 16 and 16 this year too.
1: And I was reading some articles where they were really doubting him. And it's, it's one of those, are they having seller's remorse?
0: Yeah. You know, it's just the way we were talking about when, when <clears> the <throat> hire was made. You know, four fans were just overjoyed. Oh my God. <laughs> Jokes on you. You took this guy. He sucks. It's like, well, I mean, yeah, he sucks compared to Billy Donovan, but Billy Donovan is one of the greatest coaches of the past 20 years. We're talking about a guy that went back to back national titles, the greatest coach in your program's history. The, the, your court is named after Billy Donovan it is Billy Donovan court. So yeah. In comparison to Billy freaking Donovan, Mike White was not ever going to measure up. It's just the classic case. Of you don't want to be the guy to follow the legend, right? Like you don't want to be the guy that's going to follow Nick Saban. You just don't want to be right. You want to be the guy who follows the guy who followed the guy who followed the legend, however that, however that goes. I don't know. I I think I butchered that, but you guys get what I'm trying to say there. Uh, But I think Mike White is a, is a very good basketball coach. I'm with you, Curtis. I'm like, he's done nothing to show us that he is an elite basketball coach, but he has showed us that he is a good basketball coach and a coach that can get a team to the NCAA tournament on a consistent basis. The way I look at Mike White is this Curtis, based off his past, and uh, what we've seen for maybe even this year, I think Mike White as a coach has a very high floor. Like you, I don't think you're ever going to see a Mike White coach team bottom out the way that Tom Crean's final team did, right? I think you're going to see a, a team that's always going to compete and it's going to has has a high floor, like it's like 16 and 16, right? But I don't think he has as high of a ceiling, at least based off what we've seen. Like again, I don't he does not have Final Four as a ceiling, at least based on his career. He's got, I think he made an Elite Eight, one Elite Eight run but I don't know if he has that Final Four-type ceiling. But he, I do think, and I I did think, and I continue to believe that Mike White is a guy that can get our program to NCAA tournaments on a regular basis, which, Curtis, for our program, is that not what we're looking for right now? It
1: is. I mean, right now, we would be ecstatic for that.
0: Absolutely. Look, if if we get to the point where Mike White's making NCAA tournaments on a regular basis, he gets knocked out in the first round or, you know, Gets, uh, gets the second round, gets knocked out, never gets to the Sweet 16, and you grow tired of that, then okay. Like if we get our program to that point where we are where we can realistically, with a straight face, say, okay, we've reached as far as we can reach with this coach. We've we've kind of topped out with this coach. Now it's time for us to try to go to the next level, which is what we did with Mark Fox, right, Curtis? like Mark Fox, we had a very stable program under Mark Fox. It just wasn't as good as we all wanted it to be. We reached, clearly after nine years, we reached – the height of what we could be under Mark Fox. And we were trying to take it to the next level. That's why we went for Tom Crean. Obviously, that did not work out. I think Mike White can get us to a point where we're making NCAA tournaments on a fairly regular basis. And I hope that he shows that he has a higher four, can make a final four run. We haven't seen that from him yet. But even if we don't ever get to that point under him, if he can elevate our program to where we are consistently in the mix for NCAA tournaments, that is a massive success. And that makes him the right guy for this job right now. Because realistically, we're not going to be able to go out and get a Final Four caliber coach right now. I think Mike White can get us can get our program to the point where maybe in the future we can realistically be attractive enough to one of those types of coaches to where we can maybe land one of them. Right now we can't. I think Mike White is the right kind of coach for this job right now and I continue to believe that give him a give him a, another year or two we can build out this roster, he will get us to that point. And then maybe I'll be proven wrong, Curtis. Maybe maybe we'll both be proven wrong there, but right now I continue to believe that. But all right guys, that does it for us here today on the Glory UGA podcast. We will turn the page to football spring practice officially for the next month and a half or so starting tomorrow. We're going to have our final spring practice primer for you guys. We're going to run through the defensive position groups and all those battles and what to expect. We'll get you guys ready for that. And spring practice does kick off on Tuesday, March 14th. I'm excited for that. Also, don't forget our March Madness Glory UGA bracket pool. We are running that through ESPN. You can go to Twitter. You can find our, our Twitter profile, and you can click the link directly there. But if you don't do Twitter, just go to ESPN.com. Go to their Tournament Challenge homepage. Type in Glory UGA when you search for the group, and it should be open there for anyone to join. It's open to the public, unlocked, all that stuff. So jump on in there. If you have any questions, feel free to hit us up on Twitter. Um, you can email us at podcast at gmail.com, and we will help you if you are having any difficulties because we want to have some fun. We want anyone and everyone to join, so make sure, let us know if you have any any trouble with that but thank you for being here guys always appreciate it hope you guys have a fantastic week for Curtis I'm Tyler and as always go
2: Dolls.